Let's pray together, church, as we enter into a season of God's Word. Now, Father, we're so grateful for your Word as we break it this morning, as we break into the Word and and seek to hear what your Word has to teach us about you. Open our eyes, Lord. Open our eyes, Lord. Open our eyes to see you, to rejoice in you. And to fear you as we ought. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Who is Aslan? Susan asked. Oh, Aslan? Said Mr. Beaver. Why, don't you know? He's the king. It is he, not you, that will save Mr. Tumnus. Is he a, a man? Asked Lucy. Aslan a man? Said Mr. Beaver sternly. Certainly not. I tell you, he's the king of the wood. And the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is king of beasts? Aslan is a lion. The lion. The great lion. Ooh, Susan said. I... I, Quite thought he was a man. Uh, is he? Is he safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and no mistake about it," said Mrs. Beaver. "If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most, or else just mad. Then he, then he isn't safe," said Lucy. "Safe." Said Mr. Beaver, don't you hear what Mr. Mrs. Beaver is telling you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he is good. He is the king, I tell you. I'm longing to see him, said Peter. Even if I do feel frightened when it comes to that point. This excerpt from... The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is one that I've never forgotten. As Lucy and Peter and Susan and Edmund desire to meet the king of the country that they're in, an enchanted country with speaking beavers, they hear of the king of that country, and his name is Aslan. Susan's concern is, is he safe? But her greater concern ought to be, is he good? Is he good? If you have your Bible this morning, I would like to ask you and invite you to open up to Exodus chapter 25. We're going to be primarily in, uh, in 2 Samuel this morning. I'm sorry, in 1 Chronicles and in 2 Samuel this morning. But we're going to start with, with some foundation. Okay, so this morning, the, the purpose and the, the point of this morning's message is we're walking through the Bible together. And, and we have seen in our graphic that the, the grand story of the Bible is this. There is creation and a fall. 
And once the fall came, all of creation was tainted and with darkness, with, with sin reigning and ruling over all of the created world. But God has not left that world or abandoned the world that, that abandoned his rule and his reign. And when that fruit was taken, it was a, 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 a watershed moment, if you will, a defining moment that said, we choose our own will over God's will. And for that, the sin was, was unleashed upon all that would be born or created uh, after and, and the world would be tainted with sin until redemption would come. And what you see in this graphic is the redemption was that gradual plan that God had that, that 4,000 years later, a Savior named Jesus Christ would be born to redeem those who would believe in Him. And as we celebrate this Last Supper that was 2,000 years ago, we celebrate the, the redemption that came and the kingdom that was inaugurated when the king came. And that kingdom is still today. And you and I are living spiritually in that kingdom. But before Jesus came, there were, there were signs and symbols, uh, shadows you may call them. And, and C.S. Lewis called them, said we live in the shadow lands. The land that has shadows of greater realities. I love the way that he put that. One of the shadows that was created was the Ark of the Covenant. And if you remember, the Ark of the Covenant was placed in the temple in the most holy place, and it was designed of, uh, of gopher wood with overlaid in pure gold and with a top on it. Anybody remember the name of the top? It was called the what? The mercy seat. And, and on the top of that is where the, the, uh, the concentrated presence of God, if you will, where the concentrated presence of God was manifest or made known. I'll read that from Exodus 25. Watch this. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shell, it shall be its length, and a cubit and a half its breadth. And you shall make two cherubim of gold, of hammered work, that you, of hammered work you shall make them on the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub on one end and one cherub on the other end. Of one piece with the mercy seat, you shall make the cherubim on two ends. So basically facing cherubim. One will be facing this way. One will be facing this way. The cherubim shall spread out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings, their faces to one another. Toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubim be. And you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark. The box. And in the ark you shall put the testimony that I shall give you. Now watch this. There I will do what? I will meet with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony. I will speak with you about all that I will give you in the commandments for the people of Israel. The ark was a place where God's presence would be manifest. And he would communicate with Moses to communicate the word of God to the rest of the people. The ark was a place where the presence of God was heightened. The Lord would meet and give word to God's people on how to act and what to do. Now, unfortunately, 
Over time, the ark would become less of a place where people would meet with God. And it would become a place uh, or something of a, of a good luck charm. It would become more of an, an idol in some senses. And, and they would begin to use the ark in ways that it was never intended to be used. They would bring the ark before them into battle. Now, it happened in Joshua's day as a symbolic way of, of bringing the presence of God before them into the promised land. But then it, it happened in Numbers 31 verse 6. We have a, a battle in which against the Midianites they felt if they brought the presence of God before them, it would, it would give them a greater victory. Because God is a God to be feared and revered. If you remember, when they were setting up the rules for being in the presence of God, they would, they would actually put bells around the high priest because one, one weekend a year, one day a year, I should say, he would go into the most holy place to be where that ark was. And, and if he wasn't right, if he wasn't pure enough, if he wasn't purified, and he walked into the very presence of God, what would happen? He would die on the spot. And if they heard the bells stop ringing, they knew to, to drag him out by the rope that they would have attached to him. Because he, he didn't make it. The presence of God was something greatly feared and greatly revered. That's where we pick up our story today. In 1 Samuel chapter 4. And we're going to walk through this. and We're going to jump to 1 Chronicles as well through this story. Bringing it all together. It's one story but two different accounts. There's a battle in the land against their great enemies. The Philistines. And they drew up in line against Israel. And, and when the battle spread, Israel was defeated before the Philistines. Who killed about 4,000 men on the battlefield. As they begin to lose the battle, the Israelites grow desperate. And, and as you've heard before, desperate times call for desperate measures. Well, they felt that the desperate measure then was to bring the ark of God as a, as a good luck charm. Hear what they say. And the people came to the camp. The, the elders of Israel said, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh, that it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh and they brought from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, who is enthroned above the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. Now remember, these are wicked men acting in the role of priest. We can see how far that the nation has come away from God and ignoring all of God's laws and all of God's rules. You have a, a wicked leadership, religious leadership in this. How sad. And they're okay with this to bring the ark out into battle, which shows again their ignorance or their lack of, of respect for the Lord. Verse 5. As soon as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all of Israel gave a what? 
a mighty shout, yes, so that the earth resounded. And when the Philistines heard the noise and of the shouting, they said, what does this great shouting in the camp of the Hebrews mean? And when they learned that the ark of the Lord had come to the camp, what happened? They were afraid. For they said, a God has come into the camp. And they said, woe to us, for nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us. Who can deliver us from the power of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with every sort of plague in the wilderness. Now, no, notice, even the, the, the pagan, non-God-fearing people feared God. Because of the mighty deeds that the Lord Yahweh had done. And then uh, verse 9. Take courage and be men, O Philistines, lest you become slaves to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. So the Philistines fought. And what happened, church? Israel was defeated. But they, they had the ark and most high God with them. Israel was defeated and they fled and every man to his home. And there was a, a very great slaughter for 30,000 foot soldiers of Israel fell. And the ark of God was what? Was captured. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phineas, Phineas they died. How could they lose the battle? How could they lose the battle with the ark at hand? I mean, is it God our defender? Is it he the most high? Don't, don't people fail at the right hand of the most high? Isn't he a God who is a God of angel armies? How could the people of Israel lose Well, what we will, uh, if you've got a good answer, maybe you can tell me. But what I say is this. What we will soon find out is that the Lord does not honor disobedience. The Lord does not honor disobedience. And, and then that brings up you know, very tough questions for us. What if they had a good heart, Right. Well, look, we, God, let's, let's get God involved in this. Surely we'll win the victory if we have God involved. It was a good heart, right? I want to do the right thing. Let's, let's include God. May I share with you this morning that it's not merely a good heart that brings us into right relationship with God. And it's not merely a good heart that allows us to, to, to reap the reward of following God. It, it's, something, it's something more. In fact, as we continue to walk through this story, the, the ark has been captured. The Philistines bring it, uh, and there's a whole lot of neat things that happen. They, they bring it before their god, Dagon. What happens to Dagon, their god? Well, he, he collapses and falls forward. 
And then so they, they're like, what's going on here? And then, and then so they put their statue of Dagon back up. And the next night, Dagon falls forward again before the ark as if in worship of the ark. And then his digits are cut off. They're like, all right, we got to get rid of this ark. And boils are starting to show up on us. So they take this cart and they say, let's send the ark. The Philistines do. Let's send this ark back to Israel. We don't want it anymore. So they load up the ark on a cart and they put some, some, uh, some cows on it. And, and they, they go out and, and that ark just happens to make its way back to Israel because God brings it back. And then uh, it, it ends up landing in a place called Kirath-Jerim. Kirath-Jerim. And, and so, so through the rest of the story, we have David who becomes king. And, and we walked through that the last couple of weeks. But David is now the king and he says, I want the ark back. Now, this is all getting somewhere. Stick with me. I want the ark back. I want the presence of God back where we are in Jerusalem. And so David says, all right, let's go get the ark. We want to honor God and be able to worship him in Jerusalem. Now that I'm king, we're going to worship God. So we pick up in 1 Chronicles chapter 13. David consulted with the commanders of thousands and of hundreds and with every leader. And David said to all the assembly of Israel, if it seems good to you and from Yahweh, our God, let us send abroad to our brothers who remain in all the lands of Israel, as well as to the priests and the Levites and the cities and the pasture lands, that they may be gathered to us. Then let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we did not seek it in the days of Saul. Saul was the king before David. We didn't seek the ark then. Let's seek it now. I'm the new king. Verse 4, all the assemblies agreed to do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people of Israel. Verse 5. So David assembled all the people from the Nile of Egypt. He's reaching out all over the land to, to Lebo Hamath to bring the ark of God from Kirath Jerim. And David and all of Israel went up to Baalah, that is to Kirath Jerim, that belongs to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of Yahweh, who sits enthroned above the cherubim. And they carried the ark of, the, of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadab and Uzzah. And Ahio were driving the cart. And David and all of Israel were doing what? They were celebrating before God with all of their might. Yes, yes, we've got the ark, the presence of God. We love God. We're bringing his presence to Jerusalem. Yes. And they were celebrating with all of their might, with song, lyres, harps, tambourines, cymbals, trumpets. They are fired up. Now, some of y'all were that way this morning while we were singing songs. You were fired up with your heart and singing to God thankful. Some of you were that way as we were partaking of the bread, the fruit of the vine. There is... A, an excitement and a joy. Verse 9. And when they came to the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah, 
put out his hand to take hold of the ark, for the oxen had stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he struck him down. The Lord struck Uzzah down because he put out his hand to the ark, and Uzzah died there before God. So let me make sure you got that. The ark is on this cart. The oxen stumbles. And Uzzah sees that the ark, oh no, the ark may fall over. So he reaches his hand out to steady the ark. And the scripture is very clear. The Lord was angry and struck him dead. And there lie Uzzah, the man who tried to steady God's cart with a good heart. Dead before the Lord. Verse 11, and David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah and that place was called Perez Uzzah to this day. David was what? David was angry. Verse 12, and David was what? Afraid. And David was afraid of God that day. Last week we talked about our emotions and that, that uh, we're not like artificial intelligence, right? We, we are emotional beings. We have fears. We have, we have joys. We have sadness. We have depressions. We have uh, rejoicing. We have anxiety. We have all of these feelings. God has made us with emotions and, and, and he's designed us that way in order to, to draw them to use us for the kingdom and for worship. Here this morning, David is expressing in the scripture, uh, and, uh, describes his emotions as angry and afraid. And, and I, I look back to that story we began with this morning. Remember, remember Susan and Lucy talking about this lion and they said, is, is he safe? And what was that response? Oh, no, no, he's not safe. Don't you think that the lion is safe? This morning I want to remind you, throughout the Old and the New Testament, God is not safe. God is not friendly and fluffy. In Acts chapter 5, we see two saints who were giving to God, who, like Uzzah, were struck dead because they lied to the Spirit of God. And actually, you see Herod who says, I am awesome, essentially, and God strikes him dead right there. God is not safe. And to reach out the hand and, and think that someone unholy, even with a good heart, yet unholy could touch the very presence of the holy God and survive? You see the problem. God is not safe. Let me continue in this story here. David is, is angry. David is afraid 
And, and we continue in verse 12. And he, and he said, how can I bring the ark of God home to me? He killed Uzzah. I, I can't bring this home. So David did not take the ark home into the city of David, but he took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the household of Obed-Edom in his house for three months. And the Lord blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that he had. David steps away to gather himself, as is expected. David does soul-searching. And let me ask you, have you ever been angry with God? Have you ever not liked what God did? Have you ever done something that you knew God didn't approve of and been afraid of God? God is not like us. And, and it is not right try to make him like us in so many ways. God is God in heaven. As the writer of Ecclesiastes says, you are God in heaven and here am I on earth. As Job said, I repent in dust and ashes when I see your face, O God. As you see every single person who sees the angel of the Lord, they bow their head and they, they have no, no way of, of presenting themselves before God because God is is otherworldly. He is not like us. And, and when we get angry, and we do, and when we get frustrated, and we do, and when we be afraid of God, and we do, we must remember that God is God. And He does not exist to make our world perfect in our own eyes. But God has greater purposes. And David did soul searching. And David, and David ultimately figures something out. David figures out that his ignorance was part of the problem. So we pick back up the story. But before we do, look in Exodus 25 with me and, and you'll see. Remember, he said, Saul didn't seek this out, but under my kingdom we are. So watch Exodus 25. This is the instructions of making and caring for the ark of God. Way back in Moses' day. So this is hundreds of years before. They shall make an ark of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length. Two cubits is half breath. Verse 11, you shall overlay it with pure gold. Inside and out. Verse 12, you shall cast four gold rings and put them on four feet Two rings on one side and two rings on the other side. This is interesting. You shall make poles of acacia wood, overlay them with gold, and you shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry the ark by them. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken away with it. What were the rings and the poles for? To carry it. Well, how was David transporting the ark? In a cart. This is important. Had David been obedient to what the word of God had said, Uzzah may not be lying face down on the ground. David was angry with God. 
David was afraid of God because he saw what God could do. But David was at fault with God. Often we find out when, when we get angry or frustrated or disappointed with God that, that it's, it's not God's fault. God is being God and doing what God does. But oftentimes it's our own disobedience that leads us to the place of, of the problem. So here's a bit of application for you. Okay? You ready? That's a lot of backstory, but here's some application. God is not safe. But he's given us his word so that we can be in right relationship with him. Okay? Eli quoted Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. But his delight is in what? The law of the Lord. His delight is in knowing what God has given. Because now you can have right relationship with the maker. With the one who's working in everything that we see every day. You can be right with God if we hear his word. And there will not be mistakes ending up with us lying face down on the ground when we love the word of God. And when we're, when we're saturated and we become, Psalm 1 says, like a tree bearing fruit in its season. Hear me out. The word of God leads us to right relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, who we sang about over and over. And that Jesus saves any sinner that repents and comes under the conformity of the word of God. You want to be right with God? You have to conform to the word of God. All right, part two. You ready? God is not safe, but he is the source of our great joy. Let's work part two out. Part two is just as important as part one. Part one, God is not safe. And he can strike anybody down anytime he wants to. He's God. He can bless the house of Obed-Edom anytime he wants to. He's God. God is God. But God is the source of our great, great joy. All right, watch this. David does, does business. He, he, he does soul searching. We get to 1 Chronicles 15. Y'all still with me? All right. This is, this is it. Don't miss the second part. David built houses for himself in the city of David. And he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said that no one but the Levites. Haha, here you go. No one but the Levites may carry the ark of God. For the Lord had chosen them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister to him forever. He's figured it out. Verse 3. And David assembled all of Israel at Jerusalem, bringing up the ark of the Lord to its place, which he had prepared for it. Verse 14. So the priests and the Levites consecrated themselves to bring up the... Now they're cleansing themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel. Verse 15. And the Levites carried the ark... On their shoulders with what? Ah. Okay. We got it figured out. Listen to the word of God. 
and we can have the right relationship with God. Did you hear that? Listen to the word of God. We have right relationship with God. There it is. As Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. And David also commanded the chiefs and the Levites to appoint their brothers as the singers. Who should play loudly on all musical instruments. You wonder why Belinda likes it so loud? She's just following the Bible, right? On harps and lyres and cymbals to raise sounds of what? Okay, here's the guy that was angry. The guy who was afraid, and now what's he doing? Songs of joy, everybody. Let's go, let's go. Songs of joy, it's time. The ark of God is coming. Let's go, let's go. He's excited. He's filled with deep joy. Loudness, bring the ark. So David and the elders of Israel and the commanders of thousands went up to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the house of Obed-Edom. With what? Rejoicing. Verse 28. So all of Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting. To the sounds of the horn, the trumpet, the cymbals. And made loud music on harps and lyres. Great joy. Did you catch the transition? God is not safe, but God is worth rejoicing over. If God were a weak God that we could manipulate, turn, twist, and fashion into our own image, would he really be worth celebrating? I I mean, maybe by some people, but, you know, like Amber's got different opinions than me. Miss Betty's got different opinions than Amber, so they'd be like, no, 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 no. I I don't like that hair on your God. Tie-dye? No way. God is God. He is almighty. He does what he wants. Our God is in the heavens. He does what, church? All that he pleases. That is God. And David, at the depth of it, realized, God is not the problem. I am. I've got to conform myself. If I want to know the maker of all the universe, I have to conform myself to his word. So David says, yes, get the poles. We're bringing the presence of God. He's a God who blesses. Look at Obed-Eden. We need him here. We're worthless, meaningless without him. Bring the presence of God and I will be obedient to the way God has said to do it. So that's what he does. He will be like a tree planted beside streams of water, yielding its fruit in its season. Do you want to be a tree yielding its fruit in its season? Psalm 1. Love the word of the Lord. Obey the word of the Lord. Find your loud symbols and joy in the word of the Lord. How can someone who killed Uzzah be celebrated? Right? I mean, we come to the story, and that was where David started. How can I celebrate when this happened? But David came to the place where he realized it wasn't 
God that was the problem. God is holy, perfect, and true. And an unholy person touched that ark. May I share this with you, church family? All of us, the Bible says, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that there's venom of asps in our tongue, that we speak things we shouldn't speak, that we say things we shouldn't say, that we think things we shouldn't think, that we desire and crave things we shouldn't. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Bible also says, but the Lord has laid on on him the iniquity of us all. That there is a salvation from the sin that is deep within every person born on planet earth. And it is that Jesus Christ saves sinners that repent. Come on, church. Jesus Christ saves sinners that repent. Amen? Amen. That is what draws us into the relationship, the right relationship with God. All right. I got one more, one more passage and then I'm, I'm out of here. David comes back into the town and he is rocking. He is filled with joy, filled with a great delight in his God. He's realized the same God that can strike someone dead is the same God that can use that power to bring hope and life and a future and the kingdom. That will be like no other kingdom. He is God. And I want to serve him. And so I am worshiping this God. The God Almighty. And he comes into town. And he's with all of his might the Bible says. Giving himself to worship of God. He is dancing before the Lord. Oh I I wish I could have seen this scene. Truly. And he's dancing. and, And he's dancing with such vigor and effort. That he has to take off his outer cloak. He probably sweat to death. And so he takes off his outer cloak and he's dancing before God, giving it all that he has. Verse 20, 2 Samuel chapter 6 says, And David returned to bless his household. He's dancing before God. He goes home and he says, I'm home. We've got the ark of God. But Michal, his wife, but Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, hmm. can, can I do that? Hmm. How the king of Israel honored himself today. Uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, one of the vulgar fellows Shamelessly uncovers himself. I mean, you took off your outer robe and danced? Aren't you the king? I want to give you two phrases on what David does when he responds. Okay? And then give you some application. David said, it was before the Lord. I danced for the Lord. I danced for the Lord. And and he said, secondly, and I will celebrate before the Lord. Here it is. If you want great joy, if you want great hope, 
If you want to make it beyond the earthly fleeting joys that this world offers you. If you want to make it past the the joys that, that you get for a season and then you lose. David says, I'm bringing my heart to the Lord. And it's before the Lord. And then David says to her. And I will make myself yet more contemptible than this. And you'll hate me even more. Because I'm going to honor God. And so Christian, I'm asking, this is our application for today. I'm asking for you. Have you made yourself right by the word of God through the son of God? Are you walking in obedience to what God would have you to do? And it is in that that God brings his great blessing upon people who who follow him and love him. Psalm 1. Read it again. Read it every day this week if you can. And have you made yourself so that those around you looking at you and going, man, Carla, you're just weird. And you say, I'm just honoring God. I'm faithful to my husband because I'm honoring God. I'm serving my wife because I love God. And you can discount me all you want. I'm going to be faithful to my God. I'm going to be obedient to my God. I'm going to do what he wants me to do. Because I fear him. He's not safe. But he is good. And he's worthy of all of my efforts. Let's pray. Father, you are worthy of our praise. You are good. We do not tame you. We do not direct you. You are God. But Lord, we reach out to you and say, oh God, save us. Draw us into right relationship that we might receive the joy of our salvation. God, help us. We love you. Help us in our endeavor to seek your face today, tomorrow, and the next day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.